Standing there for a moment filled with dread, Frodo became aware that a light was shining. He saw it glowing on Sam's face beside him. Turning towards it, he saw, beyond an arch of boughs, the road to Osgiliath running almost as straight as a stretched ribbon, down, down, into the west. There, far away, beyond, sad Gondor, now overwhelmed in shade, the sun was sinking, finding at last the hem of the great slow-rolling pall of cloud and falling in an ominous fire towards the yet unsullied sea. The brief glow fell upon a huge sitting figure, still and solemn as the great stone kings of Argonoth. The years had gnawed it, and violent hands had maimed it. Its head was gone, and in its place set in mockery around rough-hewn stone, rudely painted by savage hands in the likeness of a grinning face with one large red eye in the midst of its forehead. Upon its knees and mighty chair, and all about the pedestal, were idle scrawls mixed with the foul symbols that the maggot folk of Mordor used. Suddenly caught by the level beams, Frodo saw the old king's head. It was lying rolled away by the roadside. Look, Sam, he cried, startled into speech. Look, the king has got a crown again. The Way Lesser Inklings podcast attempts to pay homage to the great writers, thinkers, and philosophers of the 20th century known as the Inklings, and to try to inspire a love for reading literature and finding the good, the true, and the beautiful in the written word. Welcome back to the Way Lesser Inklings podcast. My name is Josh Rice. I'm one of your hosts, and with me again is my brother Jake. Say hey. Hello. There he is. Um, he's your other host, and today we're going to be dealing with a chapter I think that's that's pretty challenging to do a podcast on. It's a it's a really short read. I think that it it's one of those chapters where it seems like you know if we want to be trite or glib about it, it's people walking around. And <laughs> but this this chapter is called Journey to the Crossroads. And as has become customary on Twilly, I'm going to kick it to you, Jake, and uh, let you go through the narrative here. And I see you like that. <laughs> yeah. Keep up the Twilly. <laughs> yeah. So um, it is a it's a difficult chapter because there is um, there's a lot of landscape. This is one of those chapters where I think we can kind of think that it's just about the landscapes um, or it's like this part part of a little journey that you know he gives us a lot of geography but i think when that happens particularly when you're this far into the book you probably have to stop and ask what (laughs) what's he up to um so before we get to that uh essentially what goes on is frodo sam and Gollum um are breaking away so faramir is letting them go Uh, so they're going to be leaving hinathanun and continuing their journey toward mordor um they are, uh, so they're sent out, they're blindfolded, um, and sent out and Frodo or Faramir gives some news about the emptiness of the roads. Uh, that's kind of a strange thing and gives some provision, uh, for the travelers and then, and then commissions them. Uh, and then, yeah, essentially they travel <laughs> down the road, um, kind of skirting back and forth across the road. Uh, then, and then really, we don't, we don't encounter anything. There's no Nazgul flying overhead. Um, no, you know, nothing on the road. Um, they do take cautions, you know, Gollum still is an apt guide, but essentially they make their way to the crossroad, which is, um, a four-way point where north goes into Thilion, south goes to the sea, uh, uh, the west goes to Osgiliath, and east leads to uh, Minas Morgul. Hmm. 
And so from that point, um, there's a little scene where the sun peeks through uh, and shines on a statue that's been defaced, and and that's <laughs> that's where we that's where it ends. <laughs> yeah, this is one you can, you can joke and say nothing happens. Um, yeah, and I think we we kicked around. You know, I think I think always the big question is what's what's the point of this chapter? What's going on? What's the big theme? And I think we both agreed pretty quickly that however you want to package it, whether it's, you know, the, the last walk to the gallows or like the dead man's walk or going to the gates of hell, something along those lines, like the whole, the whole mood of the chapter is basically the opposite of what we got in the last chapter where it was, you know, the glittering window on the West, you know, the beauty of looking towards the undying lands, like the faithfulness of Faramir and, friendship and all that kind of stuff. And this time I think what we're going to see is all that being stripped away, right? That, mm-hmm. that now there's, now there's going to be no help for Frodo and Sam that yeah. they have no friends. There's no possibility of meeting any more friends. Everything that right. they meet is going to be an enemy and their guide is an enemy too. And he's treacherous. Mm-hmm. And right. I think they both know that. And so basically you're going into the scariest place in middle earth that's just loaded up with enemies and witchcraft and sorcery, like the real kind, not the, you know, not the Nickelodeon kind. And, <laughs> and you got no one to, it, it really is the crux of the story, right? Two little hobbits that have no mm-hmm. real strength at arms, nothing like that. Walking into what everybody would say, what Boromir said was folly, right? Just almost right. certain death, <laughs> certain right. capture. And yeah. here they go. And I think I think that's really that's yeah. the through line is is that we're being brought into the epic events that happen at the end of this book, right? Yeah, the only the only magic they have is an innate ability to be quiet right. when they walk. <laughs> that is going to serve them well. <laughs> it will. <laughs> yeah. So as as they start here, kind of as you said, I think the the first thing to probably talk about is their last interactions with Faramir. I think there's there's some really good stuff here because there's decisions made about which way they're going to go, um, what they're going to mm-hmm. do about Gollum. Like there's they're they're still leaving a very secret place. Like just because Gollum found the pool doesn't mean that he knows where the main entrance to Hinth and Noon is. So, you know, there's there's going to be blindfolding and and all this kind of stuff and so we get we get this setup where nobody's really slept much. Faramir hasn't slept in a couple of days, but mm-hmm. he's ongoing. The job doesn't end. And they, it's all this talk about urgency. We got to get out of here because there's really kind of like a calm before the yep. storm, right? That yep. it seems like, it seems like nothing's happening in Mordor right now. Mm-hmm. So, right. So I don't know if you, I'd highlighted that, that, that basically there's an urgency to leave, but there seems to be, it seems to be to take advantage of a, of a silence instead yeah. of like kind of what we've got from the start of really the story was this kind of tension about being pursued all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And we lose that in what's, I mean, this is one of the dreariest chapters in the whole thing, but there's not pursuit. Right. You're, they're actually going into the problem. It's not following them anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think <clears throat> I, I kind of see it really as like, as the sovereign hand that is aiding the quest in this time. Cause it's, it's interesting because Faramir's had his scouts kind of 
in the South, East, and North, um, you know, spying out the land, and there's no movement at all, hmm. which, which at a time of, you know, at this moment would be pretty surprising because essentially Sauron's forces have been kind of patrolling everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, he's gathering forces to himself. And so for it to be this quiet and, and because it, it's also kind of surprising because like the crossroads, which isn't terribly far from here, what a day's March roughly mm-hmm. um, is, you know, is the path to like to Gondor, um, to Minas Tirith from you know from the south, east, and north, mm-hmm. and so like his gathering armies that would be moving that way, you know would would seemingly be all over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of I, I think in the background is is what constantly gets Sauron is that while he has while he has a Palantir, while there's this perception that he sees everything, right, Gandalf. Gandalf is always saying that there's this indecision and there's this doubt and Sauron betrays, I think his own impatience all the time, because what he's doing right now, as we, as we know, as we'll find out really soon is that he's preparing for an immoral, totally illegal battle and, and war against Gondor. And he's, Mm -hmm. so what's happened is he's mustered all of his forces and he's building them up in mass to go out. And what happens is it, it, it's kind of like the, you know, it's kind of like the Death Star thing, you know, in Star Wars is like this little imperceptible threat is walking in. And if Sauron had not been so immoral and so terrible, like there's probably no way it could have even happened, you know, because mm-hmm. how, how are you going to get into into Mordor if it's business as usual on the borders? You know, that that's yeah. what's going to that's what's going to get him out of it. And I think right away. Also, the chapter gives us insight into what Sam and Frodo are like and their bravery and their courage. Because Faramir says things like these names. He says, don't drink any water that flows from Imlad Morgul, the valley of living death. Mm-hmm. He, sa- he says that, I mean, that, that's terrifying, right? That you're, you're walking into, don't miss it, like you're walking into the valley of death. Mm-hmm. Right? And, right. and who is going to be there to comfort, comfort Frodo and Sam? And I think we can fill in the blank, right? That Frodo, I think, has has been given this assurance. Like he he just believes I have to do the virtuous thing as it regards Gollum, as it regards fulfilling all my duties and obligations that the that the that Elrond and that council set me forth with. I don't really have a choice, so I'm going to trust in the virtue of the mission. Yeah, and that seems like a pretty Christian worldview to me. Yeah. You go in because yeah. the you know in the most famous psalm of all of them, it says that you know as we walk as as he walks through the valley of shadow of the death that the Lord's rod and staff comfort him that that he's with him. It doesn't say that mm-hmm. Christians don't have to walk in the valley of the shadow of death. We're right. we are walking in the valley of shadow of death, and that's that's what Frodo is just resolved to. Right, and so and so that's yeah. striking because he doesn't see anything in this chapter that would make this burden any less. It only it yeah. only gets worse and worse, and his his and his guide. I mean, his yeah. guide is just. I mean, immediately yeah. just venomous again. Like Gollum, Gollum has solved his internal battle now. Gollum is yeah. purely treacherous at this point. He's just hiding his cards. Yeah, 
So I think yeah. you you wanted to talk about where where we go as Faramir yeah. leaves as they're as he's giving final instructions and kind of their parting. Right. And I think there's some really good stuff there to probably get into. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so to kind of bring it back in, that you know he gives them uh, wooden staves, which would be you know essentially walking sticks mm-hmm. um, for their journey, and then you know fills their packs, uh, you know, and so. He's uh, and he says a virtue's been set upon them of finding and returning, and you know, and gives him encouragement. May that virtue not wholly fail under the shadow into which you go. Hmm. Um, so I think there's this, this last part where Faramir has been um, completely selfless in this whole endeavor. You know, at the very beginning, he's stern and slow, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, a, a characteristic that we've seen repeatedly of wisdom in the story uh one who's not you know one who's not taken to to be fooled easily but once he once he knows the story he's he's absurdly generous and to the point of putting his own life on the line to protect frodo Mm -hmm. so like that's the background of this you know and and frodo knows it and so you know at their parting Frodo says, Most gracious host, it was said to me by Elrond Half-Elven that I should find friendship upon the way, secret and unlooked for. Certainly I looked for no such friendship as you have shown. To have found it turns evil to great good. Hmm. And it's a striking line because at first glance, you know, it's it's the, I think it's the pleasantries and the realization that Faramir's been um, a wise and gracious host. But it, I think I think the line that's interesting to me is um, to have found this friendship turns evil to great good, and I'd kind of written in the notes, you know, which evil? Because mm-hmm. at this point, like, it's not. I don't see it. And I'll turn it over to you to to give your response. But because your your instinct is like the evil is generally about the ring itself and the quest, and I think there's some tie off to that. But I don't I don't think that's the evil that he's talking about mm. and so a lot came to mind as i was reading around that and and kind of something from pre-game where i said in in some way and i wasn't even thinking along this line i thought in some way that the faramir and ethelian stuff was almost like bizarro lothlorien where mm-hmm. lothlorien was a, a fortress of the power of good and ethelian is this you know <laughs> wild garden now that's owned by mordor but I kind of see it with this gift giving that what what's going, I think what's going on here is that Faramir is a wizard's pupil. And so mm-hmm. in one sense, he kind of puts a wizard spell, like the virtue on these staves, right? Like mm-hmm. there there's magic. We know, we know there's magic because of the road, how straight it is because of the statue that we're going to see. And the, the glory of the statues, like, like the Argonoth that, that, that somewhere in this new Minorian, there was magical ability you know, even the ring rates, the Nazgul themselves are corrupted Numenorean kings who are magicians and, and right. all that stuff's there. And I, and I wonder, you know, as he, as he gives them gifts on the way out, if it's, if it's not another nod and maybe it appears to Frodo even that when they entered Lothlorien, that turned like the, the most evil, horrible situation that they could imagine as a fellowship to good because Gandalf had fallen. And so here mm-hmm. they come and, and by meeting with Galadriel and Celeborn, it, it changes the whole journey. They go on boats 
on the great river. They get to rest up. They're recharged. They have wisdom and counsel that's going, and then they set out. And I think in this case, there's some sense of there's some sense of they've they were thwarted at the gate. They mm-hmm. could not conceive of going, so they listened to Gollum and they turned away. And then the reward for almost their quest being turned around, right? They didn't yeah. know any other way to get in. That their reward is that they get, you know, taken captive. And then it becomes this friendship where they get gifts with wizard spells on them. And like, you know, that Frodo has the file that's going to loom large with, that's imbued with the light of Arendelle, the star. This is, yeah. these staves are made of, you know, this wood that, that Gondor harvests that, that's important mm-hmm. to them. It has cultural significance. And I think that on the side, I think there's some of that going on because it's Tolkien. But I think that there's mm-hmm. other thing, and I wanted you to poke on a little bit, which is just probably one more time with Faramir, I think it is really important in our day and age to talk about the courage of interposition. Yeah. And that's what he's done. And I think that's the evil right. also that's turned to, to good. Right. And that's what I, I think where I ultimately landed on it was that, is that the evil is, the evil it could have been done is that the quest could have been stopped right here. Because the law of the land is to bring any trespasser to the steward for questioning. Um, the state that, you know, and regardless of the state we're going to find Denethor in, it does a couple things. Like, first, it derails the timing, mm-hmm. right? The quest that's happening, the speed at which is of which is necessary mm-hmm. to accomplish, you know, to accomplish the task of, of the ring's destruction. It also, it also puts the ring into the hands of Boromir's people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and while Frodo, right, like Faramir is a stark contrast to that, but at the same time, like going into a city of Gondori of Gondor is uh you know, is is extremely dangerous with the power of the ring at play and pulling right, you know, pulling the hearts of whoever is the chief there. Mm-hmm. And so I, so that is the the place of interposition to me, where Faramir puts himself, you know, in between, you know, the the law and what is right, and what is right is to send Frodo along, mm-hmm. you know, to to chance destroying the ring, mm-hmm. even even with his knowledge of the path that they're going to take, which I know we'll talk mm-hmm. a little more on, you know. Through Kira Thungol, but I, I think that you know that path is is still in Faramir's mind <laughs> the the righteous choice and worth standing in between the law of the land. Yeah, and I think that's why it was very crucial that Faramir that the information slipped out of Sam, but it was Faramir needed like this law. This law was weighty, right? The, mm-hmm. the law was that if you're a if you're a trespasser, that you have to be brought before the king, and that. If the king, or the, not the king, but the steward, same deal, the magistrate, right? The main man. Yep. And if the magistrate finds that you break this law to the detriment of Gondor, then your life is forfeit. You can be given the mm-hmm. death penalty. Now, we could talk about the righteousness of that in a vacuum. Yeah. But I, what we do know in the story is that the, the, the chief magistrate is going to think that this was detrimental to Gondor, what right. Faramir does. And Faramir knows his father's mind more than anyone. And Faramir knows the position of grief that Denethor is in, 
Faramir understands all of the Gondor side of it. And I think when he comes to understand what Frodo's doing, he does one of the bravest things that happens in the story is that mm-hmm. he gives his life up to stand against what he sees as an unjust law. And, yep. and people have followed much worse, more obvious laws <laughs> to the detriment of, of humanity with, with much less on the line. And mm-hmm. this law, like, you know, no, you can think of it. There was not going to be picketing in Gondor against evil Faramir had he brought the ring bearer to the White Tower for judgment. Mm-hmm. Every Gondorian would have thought, yeah, obviously, that's our law. And, yeah. and Faramir, I think, is tro- shows himself to be a different kind of person, a different yeah. a different kind of judge, a different kind of magistrate. And he, he puts himself between that. He does what so few magistrates are able to do because mm-hmm. he has so much courage. And I, don't, I just didn't, you know, he, this is our best look at Faramir, you know, until we get a totally different angle of him when we get into the Return mm-hmm. of the King. But yeah. but as far as this goes, I, I wouldn't want it to be left. I think it's easy to blush over. Like, we love Faramir. He's cool because he doesn't take the ring, because he has lines like that, because he talks about, you know, not he wants a greater Gondor that's back to wisdom and learning. But what really makes Faramir great is his courage. And I think we look at a guy like Boromir and we think, the you know, the warrior. And I think this is the mistake of Gondor is they look at Boromir and think, what a brave, courageous warrior. There's truth to that. Mm-hmm. But Faramir shows bravery and courage in a way that is much more difficult than mm-hmm. than just being a man of arms. And right. I, I don't, I, it's kind of an ode to Faramir for the two towers because yeah. this really is his his place, and he doesn't get his rich rewards until he goes through a lot of pain. Yeah, this cost him big time. Yep, right. And, and I think mm-hmm. intentionally, I think it intends to cost him his life, and he mm-hmm. was willing to do that. And yep. it's it's unimaginably difficult that he did it. So I think I'll draw attention to that. I think I think Frodo sees it. Yeah, and I think I think I agree that Frodo sees it, but I think too, just to harp, to really to gloat on Faramir for another second, is that it's not only too that the imposition to the steward like is you know against the law, mm-hmm. it's his it's his father yeah. like it, <laughs> it you know it, it's bad it it's hard enough to stand before the ruler of the land and defend yourself against violating the law. But when when that man is your father is is doubly weighty, yeah, and you know you're his only heir, also right. There's right. a lot tied up in it. I think I think right. it's easy to slip by and think, oh yeah, Faramir's really cool. It's like no, stop. Like Faramir's one of the bravest characters in the story. Mm-hmm. Like there yeah. there are not many people who have ever lived who I think show this kind of courage, and I think Tolkien's trying to draw yeah. attention to that. He right. does it. He just, you know, the way he does it is through conversations and through a steady moving theme of Frodo also. And that is that Frodo mm-hmm. talks like a great lord. Yeah. Right? He is courteous. He's chivalrous. He he gives blessing. He recognizes virtue. And he, he yeah. blesses it just like Faramir mm-hmm. does. And so the, it is a goodbye among equals in a lot mm-hmm. of ways with maybe Frodo being the greater which is right. hopefully we've just drawn attention to that's really saying something. He, and to add on to that, and where I think it's maybe a good transition point is he also gives no quarter to ill speech and lies. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, it's you interesting know. as they leave that, yeah, Faramir kisses them on the brow like brothers, right? Yeah. Like family, like Gondorians, right. you know, and, right. and sends them with goodwill. And then here they go, and with the woodcraft that Faramir's people have is they just disappear in the twinkling of an eye. They're gone. Yep. <laughs> and so Frodo's left, yeah. and that's, that's your transition point, because now th- this is the point. And, and it's interesting yeah. to me that, that I think Tolkien even gives, the editor gives a paragraph break here, right? Mm-hmm. It's a rest in the chapter. And I think it really works to great effect here because this is a turning point in the story. Yeah. There's no friends yeah. left. The friends are gone. They're gone in yeah. the twinkling of an eye. And mm-hmm. what you're left with is this guide. And the first thing he says is, have they gone at last nasty, wicked men? Smeagol's neck still hurts him. Yes, it does. Let's go. So the first mm-hmm. thing the guide says is a curse on what yep. we just described for the last five to ten minutes, you know, yeah. or or fifteen, <laughs> or whatever, you know. That's that's what we just described, and Gollum's sitting there listening to all that, yeah. And this is his thought, right? Because right. he's gone, and, yeah. and Frodo he's... understands this, right? Yeah, but even in all that, right? It's at this point, Frodo understanding Gollum's treacherousness understanding his you know like essentially who he is Mm -hmm. listens to this and it's easy right to say well Gollum is who he is Mm -hmm. and he's gonna utter curses but but Frodo doesn't do that he says yes let us go but if you can only speak ill of those who showed you mercy keep silent (laughs) and what's interesting right is that Gollum backpedals and says, Smeagol was only joking, always forgives, uh, even nice master's little trickses, which is an outright lie. Mm-hmm. But it's even, it's it's interesting how the truth, while like Frodo really gains nothing from doing this mm-hmm. other, other than to stand for virtue, to not, much like Gimli has done with Galadriel throughout the story, mm-hmm is to not let ill speech or lies be uttered mm-hmm. at all <laughs> Yeah, without, without correction. Yeah, and that, that shows courage as well. And then right. Gollum, Gollum immediately on the heels of that shows, I think, where his heart is at. Because mm-hmm. we've seen before when, when Frodo has rebuked Gollum that Gollum really has like backed off in the sense of, like groveling and saying, nice master and sorry. That's mm-hmm. not what he does here. What Gollum does here yeah. is he lies, right? He, yeah. he says, I was only joking. I think that, that reminds me of a proverb that, you know, you don't, you don't call someone a fool and then say, was I not joking? We don't, we don't utter curses on people. And then when we're called on it to say, well, I was only joking. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't a joke. Gollum was trying to disparage character and then he slides right. the little thing in here. I even forgive nice little little masters, little tricks, tricks, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But this is, it's a lie on a couple of fronts. Like he should know, mm-hmm. he has to know that Frodo saved his life, but also right. he has not forgiven it. This is the fuel that is yeah. burning his fire right now. And I think too, much like before where he overplayed his hand, he overdoes it here because it's a tell. Yep. Right. Because cause they do know, I think, you know, they've put their trust in him, but Frodo and Sam know that he's not a truth teller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when he says things like that, all it all it's going to do is alert them to what 
to what he's up to. Mm. Now, it doesn't change the facts that they have to get into Mordor, and he's their vehicle for that, right? And they and that, and that they need to utilize him. But they're not, they're not, you know, and we talked about it before too, like Frodo's not going naively with Gollum thinking that they're friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and... Maybe it maybe it causes a vigilance, but there's really nothing that can be done about it. And I think at this point we probably <laughs> jump a wide swath because what happens yeah. is they take off, they're hiding, you know, flitting about even though they don't see anything. And there's there's a little bit here where you know Gollum disappears for a while, mm-hmm. and Sam's asking where he is, and they don't know where he is, and and Sam says something like, it would be just like him after coming all these miles to go and get lost now, just when we shall need him most. That is, if he's ever going to be any use, which I doubt. Mm-hmm. And then Frodo upbraids Sam too. He says, right. "He says you forget the marshes, said Frodo. I hope nothing has happened to him. Sam rejoiners, though, says, I hope he's up to no tricks. And anyway, I hope he doesn't fall into other hands, as you might say, because if he does, we shall soon be in for trouble. Mm-hmm. So Gollum's off doing his own business now and he's yeah. going to start disappearing for longer and longer intervals while he's making his play and making his plans. Yeah. Um, Sam's on to him, but I think Frodo, it's interesting here that Frodo still has the gratitude and also Frodo has, I think this just resigned, this just resigned trust in the inevitable path here. He can't do otherwise. Yeah. And I think what right. I wanted to say here is that, it's it feels maddening at times, but you gut feelings about people are not actionable, right? Like we can't we can't accuse people and we can't yeah we can't judge people and tar and feather them because of gut feelings. We have to have right. evidence, right? And this is where I know it's things like this where in you know in the Bible the law is our tutor, mm-hmm. where we're given many examples of case law, you know. And, and what, what is a common refrain is two, two to three witnesses or the evidence of, right? Like if an ox, if your ox gores your neighbor, right? It's like, that's something that's going to be like an evidence driven procedure. Right. Right. You know, (laughs) the point being that like the law that the law that God gives us is a law that acts on results, not preemption. Mm. And that, and I think that's what in history, that's what virtuous people do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, you give like, there's grace and, you know, there's grace and there's grace and there's grace, but the law still has to have a sting. And, but the law is always about after the deed is done, never before. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we don't do and that's preventative impo- justice. Right, because it's unjust, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so I think I think that, that that part of Tolkien's worldview comes through in the righteousness and inter, you know, and and what you know you would say is Frodo's interposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. I, he's taken up for Gollum several times because he knows he he from virtue and righteousness can't do any other. And it's just mm-hmm. at this moment that I think something curious happens, and then we maybe get. Like where the the main theme is so obvious, and then we mm-hmm. get 
like and it's another piece of foreshadowing of what is going to happen in this quest for the next few chapters with with Frodo and Sam. So there's this rumbling noise that's heard loud and deep, and it says the ground seemed to quiver under their feet. Frodo mm-hmm. responds to this and says, I think we're in for trouble anyhow. I'm afraid our journey is drawing to an end. Yep. So that's the death march. Frodo yep. Frodo's going to go for, forward even though he he's pretty sure that it's just death. Um, mm-hmm. And then Sam does his thing, and, yep. and Sam says, maybe, <laughs> but where there's life, there's hope as my gaffer used to say, in need of vittles, as he most ways used to add. <laughs> There's a couple of things to unpack with that. I think, first of uh-huh. all, the truth that we don't get to give up while we have life, that we, we yeah. press everything forward. But I think another mm-hmm. truth is, Sam, interesting here, like Sam's hope is based on his family lineage. This has been instilled, mm-hmm. right, by his hardened, um, mm-hmm. you know, calloused hand, father who's who's been about the trades who's raised a great son and who has this pithy little saying that you know just keep eating your vittles basically right Mm -hmm. stay alive keep eating you know keep moving forward and this is a thing that that's been a byword for the ham fast family and sam pulls it out right here right when things look you know to be at their worst yeah Yeah. which is kind of it it kind of makes me chuckle because like in we've seen the darkness of the world and we saw the sort of naive innocence of the Shire, but like, but even, so the point being like, what's, what's the, you know, what's the despair in the Shire where, you know, you need a hope. But I think there is a reality of like, no matter, no matter where you're at, there are things that, you know, whether you're in, the best society in all of middle earth which I, I think you could make a pretty darn good case that the shire is mm-hmm. there's still things that seek to damage your hope mm. right in a broken world mm. and so I, I i think it's curious that he has this quote but it is true like where there's life there's hope because it's not over mm. right the march the march is still in front of you the you know the end of the road uh, you know, Bilbo's little poem, I think, comes to mind, right? The road goes ever on and on, mm. you know, and where, you know, he basically says where the road has gone, you know, none can tell, You, but you have to keep following the road, mm. that, you know, and I think, I think that's there. Yeah, I think there, there probably is some, there is probably some element of toughness and, and perseverance that comes from the more blue collar life that, that Sam and his dad would have lived where they're, you know, they're not wealthy, but we do know that, that, um, the gaffer lives on, you know, Hobbiton on the row on Bagshot row. So in some ways, even though Sam is Frodo's gardener, like his dad has parlayed a life of service and work into like living in the, the same neighborhood as rich Bilbo, Right, so so there's been there's been fruit to this labor, and it is interesting in the truly like hashtag dat post mill sense that that Sam is gonna <laughs> go on to become the mayor of Hobbiton right. at some point. Like like this this road, it is interesting because the gaffer would have not seen like he would have seen hardship, but not nearly the kind that Sam is dealing with right now. But this was a quote. I you know I wonder if you you know your hands were sore and calloused and your back was stiff after a day of work and you know, maybe it 
you know, maybe it rained and ruined all of your landscaping or something along those lines, and you come home and mm-hmm. complain. And I think you can just hear like the wisdom of the father saying, "Hell, as long as you got life, you got hope. Let's eat. Mm-hmm. You know, we got food, mm-hmm. we got dinner, right?" Mm-hmm. And it says he used to. He most ways added that, like that was that was the cheer up, right? Get some vittles, right. you know. Yeah. So. I don't know why, but I, I rolled back. I found this poem. Okay. And I, it, it seems like where we are in the story, it's it's pretty interesting. The road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road has gone, and I must follow, if I can, pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way where many paths and errands meet, and whither then I cannot say. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, you know, it could be a prophetic uh, song. <laughs> because <laughs> because they march here right they march to a um where many paths meet mm-hmm. you know at at the at the crossroads here and and paths of very right this would be a path that the good and the evil use mm-hmm. and you know and then and frodo walks to it and that's where the chapter ends mm-hmm. right and and whither then is still in doubt for us mm-hmm. and is in doubt for frodo but it doesn't change the fact that he's still going to follow the path yeah, it's it's also interesting that as the crossroads come up that that because of the state of the world right now and the power of Sauron, that three of the ways of the crossroads are into evil and danger. Yeah. One goes to right. the Black Gate, one goes to the Morgul Vale, and one goes to Herod and the Southlands and the Sea, which mm-hmm. is, you know, vassals of Sauron. We've seen them grouping up under the banner. And right. Frodo's, the fourth way is broken. The fourth way is broken. Yeah, a broken yeah. city that's been conquered, mm-hmm. and then the Tower of the Guard that really is the last bulwark of men mm-hmm. against Sauron. And <laughs> you could do the Stephen Wolf here thing, but I won't. <laughs> it's, the, it's the lone bulwark of the South. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Frodo and Sam are going to plunge into really the most feared way of the four. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we're probably there because at this point, they've yeah. they've avoided the road. Gollum, Gollum has had them going from tree to tree. You know, even in the marshes. Like the reason they were in the marshes was to stay away from the road, to stay away from detection. Yeah. But now they're going to go on the road. I mean, and this is a risky place to be. Yeah, you know, it's a main causeway, and as they come out, I think we get we get the really the climax of the chapter and it's right at the mm-hmm. end and uh, Tolkien does his thing again I think with the end of this chapter just being absolute you know yeah he throws a he throws a 101 mile an hour heater at the end of it but he's been building this whole thing it's been dreary and drab and he does this thing where this paragraph I read it in the cold open it's so sad like that mm. that they're looking out and they're filled with dread and then they become aware of a light and it's basically showing the ruin of the West, right? Mm-hmm. Osgiliath has fallen, sad Gondor, overwhelmed in the shade. Okay, the sun's going down mm-hmm. on Gondor, basically that kind of idea. And we've talked about that, right? The heavenly bodies leaving, yeah. but then the unsullied sea, and then they see this huge figure, like the Argonoth, and but this this one's not in the wild. Near the falls of Raros, this one, right. this one is in really what's become the heart, like really occupied enemy territory here. There's the only good guys that are ever going to the crossroads right now are spies. 
Yeah. Because you're not, the good guys are not taking armies or walking around on a stroll at the crossroads. But there's still this gigantic statue that was magically carved that is a, that's a reminder that the king used to own these crossroads, that these were his mm-hmm. causeway, and that what's yeah. become the Valley of Living Death was the Valley of the, the Tower of the Moon. Right. right. The, the lesser tower, but still one of the heavenly bodies, the tower that looked over, you know, enemy territory that kept guard, that had seeing, right. That had the silvery light and that the enemies perverted that. And that's really next chapter. So much about it, I think. But, but at this point it's not all gone, but we see a little bit about Mordor, right. That they have knocked the head off the statue. Yep. And that they've scribbled vandalism and it, and it says, um, foul symbols that the maggot folk of Mordor used. Right. So I don't know what's on that thing. And, yeah. <laughs> but I would say that it's probably a lot of defacement, um, evil runes, evil words, obviously mm-hmm. the red eye, you know, yeah. violence, probably blood, that sort of thing. And they've, they've mm-hmm. defiled this beautiful, picture of of the the kingdom of gondor and yep. and it's thrown down and the head's cut off mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of symbolism i don't want to talk too much so i kick it there because there's there's more coming right but mm-hmm. where are you thinking about the crossroads where are you at now yeah yeah i think no i think it's it's interesting the this it's like a really fast transition where we are we know like the crossroads is a place of evil it's been desecrated by the servants of evil. It, right? It, and since, like, at this point, it's a mockery of, like, what is good in the West. You know, it's it's pulling down, and it's pulling down things that remind us of, of good things, mm-hmm. right? Of a watchful, industrious, beautifying people, right? Like, We've we've seen the beauty of the hands of you know of the Numenorians all over at the Argonath at Amon Sul at Amon Hin at you know at we haven't gotten to minus Tirith yet you know um, but we will and it's and it's you know so the statue is is part of that crafty work we talked about the road that had held up while even though it was untended mm-hmm. for you know, at least decades. And it's just the power of their craft um, and their ability to create. And it is, it's really sad because it's this mockery and darkness where, you know, the eye of the deceiver, the desecrator is placed in place of a good, of a goodly King, Mm. you know, and then, and then there's this hard transition of essentially one sunbeam gets through Mm. (laughs) And shines light on the decapitated head. You know, the old king's head was rolled away. Look, Sam, he cried. The king has got a crown again Mm. with flowers, right? Like flowers in this desolate wasteland. Mm -hmm. Because also, so this is where the geography matters again. Kind of like when we had the Garden of Athelians. Like they've been scrambling through, you know, brush and thorn. You know, he... He takes pains to describe that, like the trees and the shrubberies are. Yeah, it's like bracken <laughs> land. Yeah. Bracken land. That was the word I was looking for, and and there's this little 
tiny place where there's flowers, wildflowers growing over the, the head of the king, mm. one little sunbeam comes in and changes the whole thing, mm. right? It, in that little moment, I think because because it is the death march, because um, I think because at the start of the chapter, we get the glimmer of hope from Faramir, mm-hmm. you know, um, we and we got some of that in the, at the end of the last chapter as well. It's like we get this glimmer of hope from Faramir, and we get this. We've gone through darkness and the death march right under the the doorstep of the enemy, the doorstep of hell. But there's this last little bit of hope. Mm. And Frodo's line, you know, I think Frodo's line really hits it. There's a description of, you know, of how the king looks crowned, and Frodo says they cannot conquer forever, <laughs> and then it was gone, and Black Knight fell. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it, you know, good. I think a good teaching opportunity here. Um, with really great literature, there's a lot of there's a lot of tools that the author uses to to draw attention to their point without being hacky and just saying like this is the point. And one of them that I think is the hardest to see is one that's that's called the top and the tail. And the idea would be that the beginning of the piece and the end of the piece basically mesh together to join into the idea and and we you basically have a sandwich and here we we begin with Faramir giving advice really kingly advice and and gifts and then we mm-hmm. end with a king who is greater than Faramir who's fallen mm-hmm. who's been whose head's been cut off and replaced with a rock that has a bunch of foul scribbles on it but the king's head off to the side nature in some way has reclaimed it and honored it and given it a Mm -hmm. crown of wildflowers and the sun, you know, the celestial body shines on it and it shows the greatness. And so in between that, I think there's this idea that what happens is the blood of Westerness Gandalf is going to say later that it runs nearly true in Faramir. The Faramir truly is like a rebirth of the Kings of old. Mm -hmm. And then we have this King here and Frodo's Frodo is given he, he meets one more unexpected friend, and that is this king, right? He's been sent off by one king who's living, and he is given farewell, I think, by another king. And Frodo sees in this king the greatness of the culture that existed, the resilience of the land to, to sprout up flowers, the, the warmth and the beauty of the sun— and he he makes this declaration. It, listen to how different it sounds. Like he had said, you know, there's going to be trouble for us no matter what. I believe mm-hmm. that the end of our journey is near. Yeah. And then here he says, they can't conquer forever. Mm-hmm. And then the lights go out, right? The sun dipped, vanished, and as if at the shuddering of a lamp, black night fell. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it, what a transition. Because the next chapter is basically into the teeth of the enemy, right? Into the place where no one will go. Gandalf won't go there. Faramir won't go there. No one wants to go there. But Frodo has been given this, I think, one last send-off by the kings of old. Mm -hmm. The reborn king, like the, and then the, the king of old. And here it is. And Tolkien is always doing this. He, he's always giving us like, man, the long defeat, like it's so dreary. There's no yep. hope. Like it, the it's the foolish things of the world shaming the wise, right? That 
Frodo and Sam are the foolish things of the world. Sam with his vittles and mm-hmm. Frodo with his seemingly, you know, weird choice of following Smeagol around. And yet there is a greater power at work. Yeah. Right? I think the king in this last bit is almost slapping you upside the head with, we have the Valley of the shadow of death that they're walking into who's with them. Well, this chapter would tell us nobody's with them. They left Faramir, but then we get this, this supernatural mm-hmm. send off at the end. Well, no, the really the Kings of all, because the, the irony in what Frodo says, they cannot conquer forever. Frodo is the very reason they cannot conquer forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Him and Sam yeah. are going to do, and their guide, Frodo, Sam, right. and Smeagol right. are going to make sure that they cannot conquer forever. It's yeah. it's just a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and maybe that's <clears throat> maybe that's why these these chapters seem like the ones that really are the the reason to do something like this. Because I don't think any of that, like, just talking to you, and and it really helps. And this has helped too. Like, this is why people should get together and read great works and struggle mm-hmm. through them and talk through them because it spurs things on. And I think I walk away from this forty eight minutes later, going, yeah. "Man, I thought we would be lucky to have twenty five. Me too. And, and I look at this, <laughs> and it's like, man, we we started just just for our, you know. Tens of listeners. listeners. (laughs) We started this going, what did you see here? Well, not a lot. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. you get going and you start looking at the theme and you start thinking about what he's doing. And I think talking about it out loud, it shows you this is just another one of those chapters, right? Man, he, he does so much with so little, so, so few words that he accomplishes so much. Yeah. And I'm just in awe of it. I really truly yeah. am. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's that's what I've got. So <laughs> I think I've I think I'm I'm out too. I mean we made it to the last word, so Yeah, we did. <laughs> and I would I, swore did, that I was gonna we, remember how, and then I didn't remember. How could we not how could we not keep track of this? I don't know. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> um I have no idea. <laughs> well, I'll go. <laughs> uh I'm pretty sure I did it last last time. I just cut that okay. one. Okay, I'm pretty Are sure. You sure? I did. Yeah, I just cut it tonight. I've been late. I, you know, so I put the sound together. <laughs> um, so I'll go first. Here we go. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that I held in my back pocket, and I think I'd flashed it to you. I'm gonna go on a thought to roam with is you know who tears down monuments? <laughs> Evil people. <laughs> and so. I'll keep it short. I could rant on it a while, but we live in a culture today where we have people in the name of saving the environment, throwing paint on priceless works of art. And we have groups of terrorists that are called Antifa who go out and deface public monuments that are made to our forefathers who, who suffered and with courage, pay the price and put their necks on the line to create the civilization that we live in. And it's not just mm-hmm. Confederate generals. It's all of them. You know, never yeah. mind that Robert E. Lee was the first to kneel in the front of his church at the altar with a former slave as if saying, Hey, we're in, we're brothers and we're in the kingdom of God together. So obviously we mm-hmm. have to cancel him. This, this is the culture we live in is 
when we get bamboozled into thinking that we need to tear down the monuments and the and the reminders of our civilization, we're acting like the maggot folk of Mordor. And mm-hmm. we really, really should stop. And so I'll end my thought to Rome with was saying we should have no patience with that kind of behavior. Right. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Um, <laughs> maybe I should say something about vittles. <laughs> maybe lighten the, lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> lighten, lighten mood. Listen, just eat with every <laughs> eat with every struggle you have. Is that is that the lesson? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. No, I think um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna tie it back to Faramir one last time because mm-hmm. I think while I think Frodo is the hero of the chapter, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that um, the last thing that Faramir does here is is um, is extend really uh, overly generous hospitality. I think right we're out on the edge where there's not a lot to give where he's he's in a situation that's going to be difficult for him when he goes back is that he regardless of that he extends you know he extends hospitality he right he also defies the the law to blindfold frodo now frodo declines for the sake of gollum but you know but what i think what Faramir does is he invites a friend into his home, embraces him as a friend, and then sends him off as a friend. And I think where where we are, <laughs> you know, where we see right now, like Canada is passing measures to, you know, to censor podcasts that their tyrant government doesn't agree with, mm-hmm. right? That's the moment we're living in. Mm-hmm. And like this is in like in the west in what was founded on christian principles and is just so far off the rails and so in that moment like what's what's going to sustain the church in canada it's hospitality among the church and then the men that god has called to stand courageously in front of a tyrant king and to pay the price Mm. And we don't know. That price might be jail time. It might be worse. I hope it's not, and I pray for them. Mm-hmm. But, but like, but that's what Farmer is doing. And so, but the start of that is, right, is seeing someone else on their journey who's in a desperate situation and giving them hospitality and hope mm-hmm. because that's what the table does, mm-hmm. right? The table in our homes provides provides hope for our friends. The table that we dine with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ at you know, at the um, Sabbath gathering offers a glimmer of hope that sin doesn't conquer us anymore. Mm. That's what, that's what hospitality is for. And that's why I think that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why Christ gives us the table. Mm. Um, and so there's, there's my thought to roam and, with. And I think hopefully a strong desire to sit at the table too. Right. That's right. Mm. That's right. So Oh. My thought to run with is that exhibit hospitality. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So selfless, selfless hospitality. That's right. Don't that's an that's an important part. Don't sit at the table with Antifa unless they repent. And <laughs> do sit at the table with people who are on the journey with us yeah. and, and invite them along. Really good. Well, I you know, this was a brief respite. Uh join us next week as we get into a truly momentous 
kind of narrative chapter with uh, yeah. the stairs of Kirith Ungle. Until then, keep reading Lord of the Rings and keep thinking about it and listen next time to Twilly. Bye. Bye.